Hello, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV series, The Walking Dead. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. This is The Talking Dead number 32 for November the 22nd, 2010. Thanks again for coming on and being here with us. We've got lots of good stuff to talk about. We've got a little bit of Walking Dead news. We've got a look back at episode three, Tell It to the Frogs. Of course, our episode four recap, and then a segment on what's coming up on The Walking Dead. So, did you watch it this week? I did, actually. That's good. Did you watch it? Did you happen to pick it up? <laughs> I, I did, yeah. I tuned in for a little while. I, I, I went and got a drink for a, sa- a drink and a sandwich and then came back, so I missed the middle part, but I figure yeah. I caught most of it. Killing zombies is always best with a sandwich. Well, you need to be uh, fully... Um, fed? Uh, fed, yeah, exactly. <laughs> fully sandwiched. Fully sandwiched. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you're going to swing that axe with any uh, gusto, you need a sandwich in your stomach. Darn right. So... Um, I watched it twice, actually, as, Did you? I, as I normally do. Well, I watched it last night and then uh, once today. Usually I watch it the day after as well. Yeah, I'd go two straight in a row because I don't have time the day after. I make time. Yeah, well, I don't get home from work. Anyhow, let's start with some Walking Dead news, shall we? Sure. So, word has come out, and this is reported by The Hollywood Reporter, as far as I know, that there will be no season two of The Walking Dead. Until October 2011. <laughs> Crafty pause. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, they're not going to bring it back until no, uh, October, I guess Halloween time, 2011. Now, this is unconfirmed, but... It makes sense. It makes sense, and apparently The Hollywood Reporter has good sources. Yeah, and it's it's still a better time lag than uh, uh, Battlestar Galactica had in the middle of that one season. It was over a year. True. Same with The Sopranos. The Sopranos had a, a mid-season year, 18-month break. Oh, man, 18 months. Yeah, See, that's brutal. Middle of a season is even worse to do something so long. But I just feel that it's a little bit of a bummer that we only get six episodes in the first season of this show, and then we have to wait a whole year until it comes back. Yeah. Now, if you ask me what else would they do, I don't know. You know, why would they bring it back earlier, rush it out? Uh, I I don't really know. I don't really have a good answer for that. I just wish it wasn't so long a break, you know? Well, okay, so I I think Halloween worked for them in the past, and I think it'll work for them in the future, and I think that uh, having that kind of time break is unfortunate for us, but I think it will uh, will work in the show's favor in the long run. Well, thehollywoodreporter.com said, AMC's annual horror movie marathon served as a perfect promotional platform to ramp up interest for The Walking Dead, which also took advantage of the higher audience levels during the fall. So more people are watching TV in the fall. They've got Fear Fest, their horror movie festival, <clears throat> and I guess it's a good time to put something like that on TV. It's perfect. You jump on the uh, the natural hype of <clears throat> Halloween. I mean, it's 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 building into a natural kind of uh, feeling that people have uh, that time of year. Yeah. So I I understand it. the 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 article also said Breaking Bad, which was pushed uh, from the spring into the summer. And Mad Men are in the summer. And then new show The Killing will have to air at some point. And then, of course, The Walking Dead in the fall. It's the most original programming AMC has ever had in one year. Wow. So uh, even with the cancellation of Rubicon, they're still, they've still got more going on next year than they ever have before. That's great. Good for um, them. I heard, too, about another show that they're working on, but I can't remember anything about it right now. 
That's excellent news. Chris. Yeah, isn't it? So they might even have um, a fifth show uh, to replace. Maybe that's what it's called. Rubicon. <clears throat> the fifth show? AMC's fifth show. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Can you can you come up with a premise for this show? Oh, we got Third Rock from the Sun. We've got uh, that '70s show. So the fifth show. Uh, no, I can't come up with a premise. What am I? What do I look like? <laughs> what are you, a TV writer? All right, so five guys are. Uh, I don't know. I got nothing. Next item in the news this week: Robert Kirkman on the use of the term "geeks" for zombies. Right. Here's some interesting. We brought that up uh, a while ago. Just the fact that they call all the zombies geeks. Yeah, and, and and every movie or, or zombie property needs a term for them that works within that universe, right? Right. Whether it's zombies or geeks or something else. But here's what Kirkman had to say. He said, you'd have to ask Frank. That's my least favorite term for zombies. I believe it was first used in Day of the Dead. You know, it's fine. I like the thought that characters have different names for zombies because I think if this were to happen in real life, there wouldn't be a memo out there where people are like, oh, that's a zombie. So, you know, geeks, roamers, walkers. As many possible names as we can have, I'm all for. But geek is Darabont's fault, said Kirkman. Squarely places the blame (laughs) where it belongs. That's right. (laughs) He knows who butters his bread. Well, if that's his least favorite term, what what other terms does does he have? Well, I like... Zombies, zombs. Well, and walkers is is a walking dead one, which is really good. Dead people. (laughs) Yes, the living dead. Actually, no. Dead people have, you know, their, their own term. They're dead people. But these are the walking dead people or living dead people. Yes. Yeah. I I mean, I, I suppose we could come up with lots of stuff. Roamers and Lurkers is also good. Also good? From uh, from this property. So he doesn't like geeks. I got to say, I don't love it myself, but it's I'm warming up to it. I, I actually like it. <clears throat> Just because of what geek means, right? It actually fits with, uh, with zombies, and they got to call them something. Zombies is uh, kind of... Hard thing to say. Let's go after it. Get that zombie. You know, it's kind of doesn't feel quite right. Well, it feels okay to me. That's what Walkers. they've been using for for years. But they rarely use that in actual movies and TV. It's right? true. So zombies are our term for what happens, but in the fictional universes, they don't have the term zombie for some reason. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk online about this very thing and how that characters that are in a zombie movie never realize that they're in a zombie movie or the concept of zombies don't exist within that universe. Right. So when they see them for the first time, they're like, holy crap, what, is, what are those? What's and going no, on, yeah. And not, and not, oh, look, some zombies. we got to hit them in the head. Right. You know? Uh, I'm surprised and, nobody's really jumped on board with that. You know, just, you know, hey, crap, there are zombies. Okay, so we get them in the head. We make sure we don't get surrounded by them. They just in, innately know what to do in that situation. Did they know what to do in Shaun of the Dead? I don't think they did. Not really, eh? Even in that, they didn't really know what to do. They didn't so. call them zombies there, too, did they? Uh, they they used the word, yeah. Did they? Okay. I think so. Uh, well, I could be mistaken. I have a feeling that scene where they're in that yard and they climb up, the one guy climbs up to look over the wall to see if there's any out there, and I have a feeling they used it in that scene, but I, mm. I could be wrong. But nonetheless, um, some people get very upset about the fact that people in these stories don't know what the zombies are, and other people are just like, well, you know what? If they did, it wouldn't be as entertaining watching them learn how to deal with them. Exactly. Right? And that's sort of the side I fall on. Me too. You gotta... I'm right there with you. You gotta just go with it. Yeah. Um, The reason I don't like the term geeks so much, though, is purely because it's so common in sort of everyday pop culture, and it means something else. Yes. So it's difficult for me to separate that meaning from this meaning. 
but I get your point, like, of sort of what the circus freak connotation of the word geek. Right. And that that works for zombies, but, you know, geek is your sort of computer nerd term, and that's uh, that's pretty prevalent in today's... Maybe the uh, the world at large hates us that much. <laughs> you think so? Because I, well, I... I consider myself a geek and a nerd, right? Sure. I mean, heck, I'm talking on the internet right now. <laughs> that's right. That's a bit of a nerdy thing to do. It really is. So... Uh, you know, maybe just to, you know, we're not the general public, and so if the general public, maybe they hate us that much. Maybe. I don't think that so. That they wish we were dead. Wow. <laughs> that's harsh, man. That's harsh. I don't know. I'm just <laughs> I'm just saying. All right. Well, that's it for the news. Let's take a quick look back at episode three, Tell It to the Frogs. And the first thing we always like to look at is the ratings. Ratings. Episode. How'd it do? Well, Jason, it did very well. Oh, good. Um, it had 5.1 million viewers, 3.35 million in the 18 to 49 demographic, 2.1 in the 18, oh, oh, 2.1 in the 18 to 49 were male, if, oh. I, could, if I could read my own notes, and 2.84 million in 25 to 54. The most important thing here is that the 5.1 million viewers is... Uh, an increase from episode two. What was episode two again? Do you remember off the top 4. of your 4.7, I believe. I didn't, wow. don't have it here. So 400,000 people more. Yeah. If my uh, decimal points translation is correct. The most impressive thing here is that this completely goes against the trend that most shows follow. Usually their premiere, if it's well advertised and supported by media, is the biggest episode, and it kind of scales down from there. Now, what I've heard is that most TV shows drop about 25% from their first to second episode. The right. Walking Dead only dropped 12 or wow. so, so half. <clears throat> episode 3 typically drops you know, another 25%, unless it's a good show. It might drop a little bit less. The, the Walking Dead went up in the third episode. That's just crazy. So I know. It's, it's amazing. People, I think there's just amazing word of mouth. Hey, you got to check out this show. <clears throat> you got to check out well, this show. I've been show. doing that. Yeah, totally. And people around my office, people are talking about it. People who I wouldn't have thought would necessarily be into it. I had a coworker come up and ask me, tell me that he was listening to the podcast. Really? Yeah. Did you? Did, That's did, great. Did the coworker find the podcast independent of you? No. Oh. <laughs> I told him about the, the podcast, and like he mentioned the show, and then once somebody mentions the show, I you know I go off. Hey, we do a podcast on that. And, and you said, hey, I, I'm part of the longest-running Walking Dead podcast on the Internet. Well, I don't know if I phrase it quite that way, but uh, I believe that aspect did come up in the conversation. <laughs> there you go. But uh, usually when people ask me about, hey, did you check out this show, they're not prepared for my level of knowledge in the show. Yeah. And being able to tell, hey, did you check out the ratings? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess most people are expecting either, no, I haven't seen that, or, yeah, I checked it out. I, I kind of like zombies. Hey, seems, cool, a zombie show. It seems kind of fun. Yeah. Not. They're looking for small talk, and I just don't clue in. And you know every actor <laughs> and every yeah. everything. Yeah, that's funny. Um, so... It's it's doing amazing in the ratings, and uh, that's why we have season two coming up in a whole year. Yeah. The only <clears throat> other note I have from episode three is that the zombie that was eating the deer was actually played by effects supervisor Greg Nicotero. Greg Nicotero. Yeah, I read somewhere else that he, although is a, a brilliant makeup and effects guy, he's a bit of a control freak too. And is he? he he I read in an article article somewhere that he often just makes up reasons for him to be the one that plays that zombie. He's like, oh, you know what? I got to do that because, cause, right. you know, I'm I'm the man here and and, and uh, no one else can 
can do this scene quite like I can envision it. So, you know, he's in there. <laughs> Why doesn't he just say, hey, I want to do it? Who knows? Maybe he's a he's a closet actor. He really wants to get in there and well, act. You know, if if uh, you know, I was working with Greg Nicotero, and he said he wanted to play a zombie, and I had the power of decision over such a thing. I would go, yeah, sure, that's great. Have fun. I guess so, but I mean, there are a lot of um, extras, also commonly referred to as supporting or background actors. I believe, right? Because extras is derogatory, apparently. <laughs> well, they're extra. <laughs> they're extra background actors. There are a lot of them that that would love to do things like this, to yeah. do these sort of featured zombies. So it kind of takes away a job from one of those guys when Greg Nicotero already has a good, well-paying job that he's very good at. That's true. But that, I'm not too worried about background it. Background acting is hard. You ever watch those shows where they have, they're in a restaurant or a bar or something and all those people are talking in the background? Yes. I watch those people. That must be very difficult to do. Well, I, I try to pick up on, on whether they're saying carrots and peas, carrots and peas, or something else. They're laughing, they're talking, they're going back and forth. It's a hard job. And I got to think that most background actors would like to make the jump to foreground actor at some point. Instead of pretending to talk, to, to actually talk. Actually talk. <laughs> Have so, a line. That'd be great. So, yeah, I mean... Whatever. Okay, so I can see it both ways. Greg Nicotero wants to do it. Sure, it's good for him. He's having fun. Everybody's like, hey, it's Greg Nicotero. He's actually playing in the show, whereas he's taking a job away from another background actor that uh, you know is probably very deserving yeah. of that role. Um, he plays another zombie in this week's episode, too, although I don't know which one which one it was. Okay. So he's, he's, he's uh, a featured zombie all the time, it looks well, like. Well, I know what he looks like, and I did not recognize him. Well, no, that makeup that he did on himself was yeah. pretty amazing. He was also eating a deer. <laughs> he was easy eating. I a deer. very rarely would recognize. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not that great at recognizing people out of context. But when somebody's eating a deer, I usually focus on that and not what they look like. That's true. It's pretty nasty. Usually, when I run across somebody eating a deer in the woods, <laughs> yeah, because I'm sure it happens all the time. <laughs> yeah, and then you club them in the head. <laughs> well, what else are you gonna do? Because he's eating figured, a deer for crying out loud. Yeah, you're obviously undead. Yeah. All right, uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to have our recap of episode number four, titled Vatos. This is The Talking Dead. We'll be right back. Stay with us. back. Jason, do you want to hear my recap for episode number four of The Walking Dead? Yeah, let's pass. All right. Let's we'll just, just skip it this week. What the heck, eh? <laughs> What the heck? Coming up on The Walking Dead. <laughs> All right, fine. Let's do it. Here's my recap. Holy freaking crap. Let's move on. That's it? That's Well, this was a good episode. It was a very, very good episode. Holy freaking crap is not really a recap. <laughs> it's more of a comment. <laughs> more of a comment. Well, let's or start. Or a review, even. <clears throat> let's start by saying and reminding people that this episode was written by Robert Kirkman himself. It was. It is the one and the only episode of TV, at least in this show that he's written. I don't think he's done any other TV, though. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and I thought, for the most part, he did a very, very good job. I thought so, too. It I thought it was a great episode. Now, we don't know, you know, how much of it was massaged by the actual TV writers. 
But regardless, I mean, his he probably came up with the basic plot line of this episode, all the major points, and probably did an outline of the dialogue. Right. And then it was, I, I'm, I'm assuming it was worked over a little bit by the real writers, but nonetheless, it was... Uh, well, don't, uh, what were the writing credits? Actually, Robert Kirkman, or was it Robert Kirkman and then like six other people? I'll have to look at the credits when I rewatch later well, this Because week. when you say, you know, it was probably written by him, you know, you're given a plot summary and story arcs and character arcs and that kind of thing, and then it's written by real writers, which... You know, Robert Kirkman's he, a real writer. He is obviously a real writer, but he doesn't have TV writing experience. And I have to assume that's a little bit different than comic book writing. Right. Because not only do you have to write dialogue, but you have to outline scenes and, and explain setting and stuff like that. Right. <clears throat> so I, I'm just curious to see if there were other writing credits on this episode rather than just uh, in, just Robert Kirkman. Well, had we been more prepared, we would have looked that up. But we'll, we'll look back on it next week. Uh, but let's get into it. So. Sure. <clears throat> the episode opens with Amy and Andrea in a canoe fishing in the reservoir, which was beautiful. Did it was you, it was great. It was it was good. Yeah. Um. They. Do you just mean like cinematically? Yeah, cinematically or and cinematographically. That's a great word. Chris. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Did you just make that one up? No. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'm, coming up with that for weeks. I'm ignorant because I've never heard that word before. All right. The uh, the color of the water, the background of the rock face, uh, just uh, you know, the canoe in the middle of the in the middle of the reservoir. Uh, I think it's. I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was great. It, it was. was great. It was really nice to look at for sure. Um, so they're sitting there. And they're discussing their dad teaching him how to fish and how he 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 taught them different ways of tying knots and uh, just different methods of fishing. And they realized that their dad was, you know, a, a smart and loving enough guy to know that they were different people and that they needed sort of different lessons uh, to take away from the, those fishing trips. Right. Um, I think Amy says, Andrea, uh, she says, you, Andrea, needed to catch the fish and I needed to throw them back. They're just different people, and they have different needs and outlooks on, on life. And they're 12 years apart. Yeah, 12 years apart. Now, how old how old do we think Amy is? Early 20s, I would say. Oh, well, yeah, I would say so. Or, or she's supposed to be like 17. It could be. Couldn't, I don't think. Not, no, because she was not uh, at home with her parents, right? She was on her way to college. Well, um, in the comic, she was on her way to college. They didn't explain what why they were together in uh, in the TV show. Okay, so on her way to college, and that's probably 19 in the States. Yeah, something like that. So 19 or 20. <clears throat> 19 or 20, and Andrea then is about 31, 32. Yeah. Um, that that's, that uh, situates them a little bit. That's good. They also say uh, he had a rule of no crying in the boat. It's a good rule. It's a good rule. Yeah. <laughs> You'll scare away the fish. Well, that's a lie, <laughs> but... That's okay. Just in general, no crying in the boat. Je- that, absolutely. Um, and then they go on to speculate that maybe in Florida, where their parents were, uh, it wasn't hit so bad by the zombies. Did they say zombies? Oh no, she just—I don't think so. Okay, it, she just says maybe it wasn't hit so bad. Yeah, and they're they're still alive, so they obviously have no idea and have had no contact with their parents, which we sort of knew, but it's confirmed here. Well, there you go. Um, well, hopefully Florida is fine. Hopefully, we'll see. Maybe they'll get back there someday. One thing I noticed about this scene is both of them looked a little more made up than they had in the past, especially Amy. Really? She seemed to have, like, lipstick on and a lot of eye makeup. And, you know, I I was thinking about it a little bit, and I thought, you know, they're way too made up for the situation they're in. They wouldn't be doing makeup and all that kind of stuff. But well, Andrea was in a department store. Maybe she picked up some makeup uh, for Amy. You know, she she's 19 or 20. She likes to have makeup. It's important to feel good about yourself when there's a zombie apocalypse going around. It occurred to me that 
that some of the older women like Andrea and Lori would be less concerned with continuing to look good than a younger one like Amy might be. Right. You know, and that's just sort of the way it is, I think. nobody, Please nobody take offense to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, so that I kind of explained it to myself that way. But I just thought in general they looked a little too made up, especially Amy. Yeah, I didn't notice. But I, I'm okay with it. Uh, so the camera pulls way back to a high shot from the top of the reservoir looking down on the boat, and it pans across to Dale, who's standing on the camper, keeping watch. And then he looks up on a hill and notices Jim up there just digging away. Digging holes. Yeah, digging holes. What are you going to do? <clears throat> you know, sometimes a man needs to dig a hole. Sometimes. Or two. Uh, we go to the credits, and when we come back... When I first saw him up uh, on the hill, it looked like he was at treetop level digging. I'm like, how the hell did he get up <laughs> on those trees, and why is he digging in the canopy? Yeah. Thought, but then I, you know, figured it out because I'm not an idiot. Sure. He's not on the For top long. of the trees. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so credits, we come back, and we are on the roof of the department store. Uh, the four show up. It's Rick, Glenn, T-Dog, and Daryl. Yep. Looking for Merle. And, of course, he's not there because he... Uh, mostly. He's mostly not there. True. Yeah. <laughs> His hand, the hacksaw, and the handcuffs are there. Yep. <clears throat> um, Daryl gets rather pissed, and he puts the crossbow to T-Dog's head because I guess he blames him for leaving Merle on the roof, and he assumes that he's dead. Rick counters with the gun to Daryl's head, yep. and there's a brief standoff. Everybody cools down, and uh, Daryl picks up the hand and puts it in Glenn's backpack. <laughs> yeah, covers it in a cloth, though. That's good. <laughs> well, sure, but it's sort a of like- A do-rag. Uh, here, you carry this. He called it a do-rag. Do you have a do-rag? A do-rag. That's a southern thing, I guess? I don't know. I guess so. It's just, you know, for mopping uh, <clears throat> dew off your forehead. Right. Now, one of the things that prompted a lot of discussion before we saw this episode was what exactly did Merle do? Did he- cut his hand off? Did he get eaten? Why did he cut his hand instead of the handcuffs or the pipe? And they addressed this in the episode. Um, I think Daryl is the one who said the saw blade must have been too dull to cut through the handcuffs. Which we assume then is too dull to cut through the metal bar that the handcuffs were handcuffed to. We would assume so. Handcuffs have got to be stronger metal than the bar. Yep. But still, metal is metal. And it would, if unless it was super rusty, it was probably just generally too too dull to get through it. Now, I would assume <clears throat> that bone is pretty tough to get through. Um, I don't know. Probably not as hard as metal. Well, no, not as hard as, like, the handcuffs, but uh, I still don't think it would be an easy task to hacksaw through, especially the eight bones in your wrist. Well... Because he cut right through the wrist. Now, if I was going to do it, I'd go higher go up a higher. little bit. Yeah. Because right, cutting right through the, the wrist bones would be, uh, you know, really messy. Right above the wrist, I would think. Yeah, right above the wrist. Where it's thin. The radius and the ulna there. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, so he decided to cut his hand off. You know what I would do? What would you do? I'd cut my friggin' thumb off. And then just slide Slip your the hand. rest, or break the thumb and slip your hand out. Why, why cut the whole wrist off? Jeez, now you're thinking. Just cut the thumb off. Yeah, because then you could probably Just like the Left for Dead poster. <laughs> Left for Dead three or two. Or no, just the, the regular left for dead. There's no thumb. It's just the four fingers with the big thumb part missing. It's an interesting point. That never occurred to me, but that would completely work if you cut your thumb right. Well, it depends on how tight it is and depends on the, uh, like if I, <laughs> I just. We're sitting here trying to see how, how straight yeah, we yeah, can yeah, There's no hands. visual on the internet here. <laughs> well, not ours anyway, because nobody wants to see us. Uh, yeah. Okay. Anyway, 
Well, I he guess he chose to cut right through the wrist. And you know, in that situation, kind of losing your mind, panicking about getting eaten by the undead. Yeah, he was crazy. You might be like, "Oh my god, saw your hand right off." And then later, you're like, "Oh crap, why didn't I just cut I my just thumb cut off? that thumb off? Come on, then I'd still have four good fingers. I'd be able to scratch myself still." <laughs> Very important. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes when your right hand is doing something and you need to scratch yourself with your left, I'm glad you have a left hand. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> exactly. Um, Daryl also said he must have used it. There wasn't that much blood, so he must have used a tourniquet, probably his belt. Well. So he wasn't completely losing it. He's like, okay, wrap my belt around my arm, pull it tight, cut my hand off, I'm good. Right. Um, so it's good that they addressed that, I thought, because those were the biggest questions people had from that episode. Yep. Why the hell would he do that? Um, So then the guys follow a trail of blood to a different access door uh, to the roof, and they go down into the building. Which the zombies didn't know about, apparently. No, I guess the zombies didn't know about Because they only locked the one door, so the zombies could never get onto the roof. But now there's another door. Right. Which is fine and open. Well, it's, it's okay. That's fine. Maybe it wasn't open. Maybe they had to bash it open, too. We just didn't see that. Magic door. Yeah, there's always a magic something. Don't worry about it. Yeah. So we cut back to Jim digging, and Dale goes up and confronts him, asks if he's okay, and offers him water. Jim just ignores him and keeps digging. Well, wouldn't you? You're digging, man. I guess so. Get some holes for making. (laughs) You need to make some holes. Uh, Back to the city survivors, and they bolt a zombie in the head and continue searching the building. We're cutting back and forth between the camp and the city people here yep. for a fair bit. Back at the camp, Andrea and Amy return with loads of fish. Everybody's very excited, and Carl wants to learn how to fish. Um, Andrea and Amy say, you know, our dad taught us how to do this, and uh, we can teach you how to do it. And she makes sure it's okay with Lori. That's nice. And Lori said, sure, no problem. You're not Shane. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> she didn't actually say that, but, you know. Shane's not allowed. Anyone else can do what they want with her kid. That's right. Um, Dale walks up and points out that Jim is digging. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a He's digging like, guy. I think we may have a problem. Somebody, he, Jim's digging holes. I don't understand why that's a problem. Well, it's because they were concerned for his well-being because it's so hot and he wasn't drinking, he wasn't hydrating, he was just digging for no reason. And it's a little weird that you'd go and say, hey, Jim, what you doing? And he ignores you. Yeah. You but know. then they you know, show up there with like 14 people. You know, all with their arms crossed saying, Jim, you better stop digging here. True. That That is a little bit unusual. But before we see that, we go back to the people in the city. They're searching the building. They find a kitchen, and they realize that Merle used the stove to cauterize his stump. Ouch. Yeah, I'm sure that wouldn't feel too nice, but fairly smart thing to do. At this point, he's probably feeling pretty crappy anyway. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> He's like, I've been in the sun for 24 hours. I'm totally dehydrated. I got a hand missing. I'm going a little loopy. I cut my own hand off. I might as well, you know, cauterize it. Might as well. That's not really a good long-term solution. Well, it, it burns the end ends of the, the veins and the nerves and stuff like that, right? So it yeah. closes them up. Yes. It stops the bleeding, but uh, the bl- the blood will pool at the cauterized point because, you know, the the, 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 the veins can't get the blood from the arteries. There's no... Right. Loop back. <clears throat> right. So the blood just comes that to that point and stops. Stops. So you, you basically, at that point, you're screwing the whole rest of the arm. But at basically. least you won't immediately bleed to That's death. That's right. You're not going to bleed out. It's a short-term solution, no doubt. To a long-term problem. Yeah. <laughs> um, Daryl says, just goes to show you, nobody can kill Merle but Merle. It's true. <laughs> He's trying pretty hard, too. That's good if nobody can kill you but yourself. 
So next, the guys sort of argue about what to do because they realize that Merle left the building. And Rick says, we can check a few blocks around, but we have to keep a level head. And then they decide to go and get the guns first. Good plan. Good plan. Get those guns secured and then worry about what the hell Merle was doing. Well, they needed guns because they didn't have enough guns for everybody. Yeah, exactly. And then one of the main points was getting the guns. They need them. Uh, so we cut back to the camp, and the whole group goes up to talk to Jim. Like you said, they all show up <laughs> for no reason other than, I don't know, everybody needed a line, I think. Yeah. Because <laughs> Morales had a line, Lori had a line, Shane had lots of lines. Um, D- uh, Dale, I think, had a line. All the all the principal characters there said something, so they they all walk up. Don't not not to make them defensive or anything. Just no. show up in a group and tell them, hey, you better <laughs> stop doing, you know, something that uh, you know really doesn't concern us. I, I agree with Jimmy at this point. It might have made more sense to just have Shane and Dale go back up, or or even maybe one of the women. You know, you know, Dale goes up with a canteen. Hey, Jimmy, you know what are you doing? Digging holes. Here, he, have a drink. He should have called him Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I just think that you show up with a canteen, have a drink, rather than, uh, you better stop digging now. Come on down. You're scaring the, the women folk. Yeah. he. Lori says you're scaring the children. So bring them up to show them. <laughs> right. You know, bring, Look, the kids are afraid. Look, they're afraid of you right there. <laughs> Doing nothing. I, I shall force them to confront their fears. So Jim continues to not listen or surrender the shovel when Shane asks him for it. So, uh... There's an altercation. Jim swings at Shane with the shovel. Shane tackles him. And then on the ground, Jim says, okay. And he explains that uh, he watched the zombies devour his family. And it was the only reason he escaped alive because they were too busy eating his wife and kids. That's pretty horrific. That's pretty horrific, I got to say. Um, and everyone is kind of like, oh, my God, maybe we should cut him some slack. <laughs> and once again, Shane has to dominate. <clears throat> Don't do what I say you shouldn't do. Or I'm going to handcuff you. Yeah, no, Shane needs... Or beat the crap out of you. He needs to uh, He needs to be in control, or he at least needs to feel like he is. Yeah. Right? And he needs to solve everybody's problem. That's what he thought he was doing when he told Lori that Rick was dead. He thought he was kind of solving her problem, saying, you know what? He's dead. Let's move on. You know, let's move I on. I being a little selfish there. I think he was always, always had something for Lori. Oh, absolutely. But I think in his mind, he feels like he's just sort of putting it to rest for her and saying, like, we got to worry about saving you and your kid and let's not worry about your dead husband. You know you know what the nice thing that uh, Shane must be feeling right now in this point in the story? What's that? That uh, at least the women folk aren't uh, not turning off the light switches in his house. Because <laughs> he had a real problem with, uh, you know, the difference between men and women. Yeah. Women don't know how to turn off a light switch. Yeah. Problem solved. It's kind of the opposite in my house. I, I'm, I'm the one who tends to leave lights on. Uh, I think... I tend to turn off all the lights, but Jenny turn, ten, turns off lights too. Mm. Uh, but I'm I turn them off more frequently. You guys are good. And you'll save power. I just don't like the lights on. Why have all the lights on? Well, yeah, you need the right lighting for the mood. Yeah. Right. Okay. No, there's no mood. It's just <laughs> that lights on. Okay, for the activity. Well, there's a glare in my eye. <laughs> I'm turning off the light. Very good. Appropriate uh, lighting, not mood lighting. Okay, fine. Appropriate lighting. Well, there is no more lighting except by fire. Fire lighting. In, in The Walking Dead. Which Shane's trying to control anyway. He's trying to control the fire, too. That's right. You know right. the difference between men and women? Women like to have a nice big fire. <laughs> when we're, we really need is just embers. They never turn the fire off. <laughs> so we go back to the city, and Glenn is drawing up a map on the floor. 
He's mapping out his plan to get the guns. <clears throat> Once again, it's Glenn showing his leadership abilities. Yep. Planning. You know, planning. But it's man with the plan. It's because he knows the city, and he's like, you guys wait here. You guys be two blocks up this way. I'm going to grab the guns, and if I can't get back you know, the way I came, I'm going to run this way. That's why you're here. And so he knows what he's doing, that Glenn. Yep. I like him. Um, well, even Daryl at this point uh, Daryl says respect. He does. He says, hey, kid, what did you do before all this? And Glenn says, I delivered pizza. Why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, even Daryl, who's, uh, you know, redneck, look out for himself kind of dude, respects Glenn at this point. So they go to execute the plan. And just as Glenn gets back to the alley um, where Daryl is waiting, some dude shows up. And then more dudes. One dude shows up and then starts yelling. Starts yelling. And then he more guys. He should know better about yelling. Well, he should, but I think he panicked a little bit. He also shouldn't be wandering around in a zombie-ridden city alone. Well, he wasn't really alone because his buddies were within yelling distance. That's dumb. Um, a fight ensues, and the other Vatos pull up in a car, and they pile Glenn in, and they drive off out of there. Yep. So we're left with... Um, Daryl, Rick, and T-Dog, the bag of guns in the city, and the Vatos took Glenn. And uh, and Rick's hat. Don't forget Rick's hat. Oh, you're right. Rick's hat was still there with the bag of guns. Well, he needs his hat. No, it's a very important hat. It's it's a very important hat. It's just funny that it's still sitting there with the guns. And Glenn almost didn't take it. Yeah, he yeah. went back for the hat, and then Rick got the hat, and I'm like, yeah, okay, it's like Indiana Jones. Has to have his hat. Has to have the hat. It's very important. Before the Vatos run off in the car, Daryl shoots one of them in the leg. Um, and just as they're running away, there's a really good zombie kill where one of them uh, butt ends a zombie in the head and, the, and it kind of swings around and blood sprays on the camera. Blood on the camera. It was awesome. always good. It was awesome. I yeah. thought they did a really great job with that. What the hell was that guy yelling? He was yelling for his friends, I think. Yeah, but what, you know, was it in, in Spanish or some other language? What what was he yelling? Oh, I, I assume it was in Spanish. I'm not sure what he was saying exactly. I think he was just kind of yelling, Hey, guys, I, I found some other dudes and they're beating me up. Uh, it didn't sound like words to me. Well, I don't know. I don't speak Spanish, neither do you. Well, I, you know, I can recognize Spanish and seeing as though they were speaking, you know, little bits of Spanish here and there, I figured that it, you know, re-watching it today, I just, I really didn't have any clue what he was saying. Just okay. sounded like he was yelling. Maybe he was just yelling and trying to alert the fact that he'd found some people and they might not be friendly. Hmm. I don't know. So we go to commercial, and when we come back, we are in the camp. Shane has Jim tied to a tree. He comes over, offers him water, and he says he's going to keep him like this until he's no longer a danger to himself or others. Okay, now I have a question about Jimmy tied to a tree. All right. If he was scaring the uh, the children, why would they tie him to the tree right next to the children. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, you know, maybe they needed to keep him close so he wouldn't be tied to a tree too far away. And Keep then... him close to Shane. Keep well. him close to, to to anybody. But, you know, he's, he's right there. The kids are having their school lesson, it looked like, and they got a guy tied to a tree. The guy that know. was scaring them earlier. He, he that d- wouldn't be distracting? <laughs> yeah, you'd think it would. And they kind of get to that. But maybe, I don't know, if they just... He wasn't really being threatening at that point. He was just sitting there, and he was very calm, and he was talking rationally-ish. And uh, Maybe that's the tie-in tree. <laughs> that's, the, that's the tree everybody gets tied yeah, to. Yeah, we tie people to that tree, which had, is, happens to be right next to the school. Our rope just fits perfectly around this giant tree right here. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just thought it was weird that it was in such close proximity to the uh, to the classroom. It is. A bit of a plot device because they wanted him 
there with the kids and some of the other characters again, I guess. Right. But you're right. They could have picked a tree out in the woods somewhere. Or, you know, somewhere else. Somewhere. Time to the bumper of a car. I mean, could yeah. have done anything. <laughs> Lock him in a car. Yeah. But Jim apologizes for scaring the kids. And Dale asks if he knows why he was digging. And Jim says, I can't, re- there was a reason, but I can't remember. It was from a dream I had. Hmm. Interesting. Um, he then asks Carl if he's worried about his dad, and he says that Rick helps people, and he's probably stuck in the city because he came across some people that needed help, and he tells Carl not to worry. I'm sure his dad, your dad, will be fine. Yeah. So uh, it was a little weird the way he was talking right to the kids like that, especially after them being so afraid yeah. of him, but what he was saying at least was reassuring for Carl, I think. I don't know. Carl wasn't worried anyway. No, maybe not. Deep down, he probably was, though. Yeah. You know, and maybe he, maybe Jim was saying that more almost sort of like to apologize to Lori for being weird and f- scaring her son, you yeah. know? He, he's trying to make up for being a weirdo. That's what I think. Well, good for him. Yeah. So everybody leaves to go clean fish, and there was, it was funny. As the kids were running away, Carl trips and falls and then gets up and keeps running again. Oh, really? Who knows if that was, uh, <laughs> you know, if no, that was... No, that wouldn't have been in there. He probably is just a kid and got excited and started running and fell down. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> I thought I thought it was uh, I thought it was I thought it was funny. Um, Lori approaches Jim after everyone has walked away, and to me, it looked like she was coming up to sort of thank him for saying those nice things. But before she can say anything, Jim says, "You keep your boy close. Never let him out of your sight." I thought it was a bit weird that she walked. You know, after the the kids run away, uh, she walks up to him so that he can say something to her. It was weird, but that's what I. That's why I. I said I think I had the feeling she was gonna about to say something, but he kind of said that weird line, and then she got freaked out and left. Yeah, I think it would have been. Uh, well, yeah, maybe it's you know whatever she was gonna say is on the uh, editing room floor. Could be kind of thing because it just seemed a bit weird. You know, if they were gonna do that, maybe he could say, "Can I talk to you for a second? Or yeah, or or if she just came up and said. Hey Jim, blah blah, and he she he cuts her off or something. You know, yeah, like but she you know? she strode over very purposefully, crouched down and looked at him. Yeah, and and then he spoke. You got something to say to me? Yeah, it it was a little bit awkward, I thought, but uh, even more so the way he said, "Keep your boy close, never let him out of your sight." Right, kind of menacing, I thought, menacing in a in a passive aggressive sort of way. I'm digging holes for that boy. Yeah, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> um, so we go back to the folks in the city. Um, and the, the guys, Rick, T-Dog, and Daryl are interrogating, oh, I, I forgot to mention before, they kept one of the Vatos with them. They, they had him against the wall when the rest of them drove off, so they That's have, right. they have Miguel. The guy that was, uh, yelling. The guy that was yelling, the younger kid. And so they have him and they're interrogating him, asking him, you know, where, where your friends go? Where are they? Yeah. We want, we where's want our, Merle? we want our, our buddy, uh, Glenn back and where's Merle? Um, they're not really getting anything out of him, so Daryl pulls out Merle's hand and says, yep. you want to see what I did to the last guy that pissed us off? Yeah, I'm giving uh, I'm giving Daryl the award for the most creative use of his severed hand in Absolutely. this episode. Yeah. Well, it freaked the dude out, and then he said, maybe this time I'll start with the feet. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we cut to them outside the Vatos hideout, the guy that Miguel obviously uh, led them there. They approach the compound with their guns out, and there is a bit of a standoff. They propose a hostage exchange, but Guillermo, the leader of the Vatos, wants the guns as well. Well, he wants the guns because he wants it in payment of uh, uh, Daryl shooting 
one of the one of his gang members in the butt. <clears throat> yeah, he with, wants that, but he also figures it's a bag of guns in the street. It's up for grabs. It could be anybody's. I think everybody <clears throat> in this situation forgot the fact that two of the gang members beat the living crap out of Daryl and Glenn with baseball bats. That's true too. And and that never Dar- came up. <laughs> no, everybody just seemed to magically forget that. Oh yeah, yeah baseball bats. <laughs> he was shooting him in defense of his buddy Glenn. Yeah, you know that's why he that's why Daryl shot him. Rick does make a reference to that though. He says mistakes were made on both sides. That's true, right? So we didn't act as well as we could have. Neither did you guys. I, I would have brought up the baseball bats. Yeah, that's and right. I, and I think maybe Glenn and Daryl uh, would have been injured a little bit more being beaten with baseball bats. It depends where you're hit. I mean, you'll get bruised pretty bad if you're hit in the arm or the back or whatever. But you. They weren't hit more than like three, four times, right? If you're right. if you're clubbed in the head and you lose consciousness, you're in do worse. a lot of damage with a baseball bat being hit three, four times. I, it's absolutely true. But like, if you're hit in the, in the arm, I mean, if you don't come away with a cracked skull or something, you're not that bad off. Right. Plus, these are TV characters; they're known to be somewhat invincible. Yeah. <laughs> I just I just think it was weird that they all assumed, you know, and accepted the fact that there was aggression on Daryl's side, with you know, forgetting the fact that there are baseball bats. Yeah. Being used as bludgeoning weapons. I think it was all covered, though, in that line about mistakes being made. Um, So he wants the guns. Rick says, no way, and uh, points out that T-Dog is on the wall, the other wall, with a sniper rifle pointed right at Guillermo's head. Which is interesting, because this device gets used later on in the comic book, right? Like, way later. It's true. uh, With uh, Andrea as the sniper. Yeah, she she gets good at that in the comic, uh, and she snipes a lot of guys later on in the comic. Um, And anyway, so they threaten to throw Glenn off the roof. So they're at somewhat of a stalemate. Yeah. You know, you shoot me, Glenn falls off the roof. Yeah. Um, Guillermo gives an ultimatum. He says, come back with the guns or come back locked and loaded. We'll see which side spills more blood, and everybody backs off. Right. So we go to commercial. Thinking, wow, what's going to happen next? Oh, no. And when we come back, we have the guys talking about what to do and arming up. Rick says he has a plan. They're talking about, like, T-Dog and Merle and uh, Daryl are kind of discussing, maybe it's uh, maybe it's not worth it. Let's just take the guns. We got what we wanted and go back. But uh, Rick says he owes his life to Glenn. <laughs> have you met Rick? Yeah, exactly. Why are, why are we in the city right now? That's, why are we even here? <laughs> Um, he, he owes, he says he owes his life to him for rescuing him from the tank. It's true. Which, uh, you know, Rick, that's, Rick's that kind of guy. You dumbass. You the tank. (laughs) Um, so they head back to the compound and this time they're let right inside, which I thought was a little weird. Yeah. If you're going to, if you know you're going to have a shootout and everybody's got, you know, they're standing in a doorway and you've got a, a, you know, a field of fire of three, four feet. Why would you walk into a situation where you're completely surrounded and outnumbered? Yeah. And knowing that you're going to have a shootout, because that's why they went there. It is. But maybe they figure if we're all in this little enclosed area, people will be less inclined to open fire because you're going to hit one of your own. Maybe if we go in there, there's going to be a little old lady. (laughs) She'll save everything. You never know. (laughs) So they walk in and they hand over Miguel and they they cut his uh, high hand... Uh, restraints? Hands, restraints, there you go. They push him forward and said, there you go, you have your man, now give us ours. And Guillermo says, I thought I'd feed Glenn to my dogs instead. The meanest three bitches 
<laughs> the three meanest bitches that ever, whatever. <laughs> it was a great line, whatever it was. And so Rick is pissed, and he said, fine, you said come locked and loaded. Okay, then, here we are. And they all have guns up, and everyone's about to die. Four inches from a shotgun barrel. Yeah. This you, guy's face. You don't survive that. I think I would be worried. Well, four inches away, point blank with a shotgun, and your head is gone, right? Well, I would assume. Pretty much. I mean, <clears throat> well, I don't know. That's what shotguns I've never do. seen that in real life. And the TV shows the head is gone. Yeah. Pretty much. Or there's a hole right through, and you can, and the camera always looks right through it. Oh, yeah, and then he wavers a little bit. And then he falls down. Then he falls down, yeah. <laughs> so then, out of nowhere, everyone's standing here with their guns up, and a little old lady shows up. <laughs> Conveniently. <laughs> to save the day. Yeah. I couldn't really understand what she was saying, to be quite honest with you, but it was some, mumbling something about medicine. Somebody needs yeah, their so medicine. Yeah, there's a guy that uh, is having a... You know, hard time breathing. He needs his medicine. Yeah, but she had a few lines, and I couldn't really decipher it other than medicine, and he needs his medicine. Um, but I guess she thinks that Rick, dressed as a police officer, is there to arrest somebody. And suddenly the whole mood in the room changes. It was a very strange, sudden shift, yeah. I thought. Um, and she asks Rick to follow her into the compound farther. Right. And everyone kind of just steps aside and lets them go. So they walk through, and they end up in some kind of old age hospital where people are there caring for the elderly and the sick. Mm -hmm. Now, this struck me as very, very odd the first time I saw it, to have these, like, badass guys with guns, you know, wanting more guns and ready to kill everybody. And then all of a sudden, here we are in a hospital where everyone is working for the good of man, trying to help each other and save each other. Not everything is as it seems. That's obvious. Yeah. <laughs> it's obvious after seeing this. So Rick is like, what is this? What's going on? And Glenn says it's an asthma attack. Yeah. <laughs> but I think what Glenn meant is that, or what Rick meant is that, you know, why are we here? What's going on here? I thought it was weird that uh, Rick then said, uh, can I talk to you for a second? You must be the dumbest whatever. It's just like, well, be careful. He yeah. probably could still point a gun at you. Yeah, he says, let's have a chat. They go in and talk, and Guillermo explains that they're taking care of these people, but they have to keep a tough exterior because of the world that they live in now. Right. Um, he says, the staff took off and left these people here to die. Sometimes people come looking for their loved ones, uh, and most end up staying, uh, but some, I mean, I guess they just F off. Yeah. <laughs> but most end up staying. See you, so, Grandma. Yeah. So uh, they're there to kind of protect people and, and, and help them and, and get them the help they need. Uh, and the dogs he referred to earlier turn out to be little <laughs> tiny chihuahuas. Cute little dogs. Yeah, exactly. Um, T-Dog, uh, and then there was an interesting couple of lines shared here. T-Dog said, I guess the world has changed. And Guillermo says, no, the world is the same as it ever was. The weak get taken. Yeah. Interesting line there. Um, so... Rick ends up splitting the guns with Guillermo, leaving leaving them there with some, you know, guns and ammo that they might need. And then they leave. And that's all we see of the Vatos. Our group is walking back to the truck, and they get there and find it missing. Good. Truck's gone. Truck's gone. They assume Merle took it and is back at the camp taking his vengeance. Well, why would the, you know, what if the Vatos found it? Anybody could have found it, but, you know... Did they take the keys? Did did Merle have a key? No, nobody had keys. No, but come on. We've seen people hotwire cars on this show in a second. So So why did they assume Merle took Either it? the keys were in the truck, which would be silly. Well, because it that was the route to and from camp. 
And Merle, oh, okay. Merle had come with Glenn that first time, so why wouldn't he go back the same way? Gets to that point, hey, there's the truck that those they got while we were trying to escape the last time. Okay. So why not get in the truck and drive it back? Can you hotwire a car with one hand? Sure, why not? One <laughs> hand and a piece of metal that you stick in? Maybe he cauterized something into the stump. Oh, to so allow him to manipulate. He's things. got a big claw. That's right, or something, <laughs> you know, a spike or what have you, what have you. I was watching the event the other day, mm-hmm. and uh, I I liked that show more in the first couple of episodes than I do now. It's really gone downhill in my opinion. But there's a scene where they have to hotwire a car because um, the Ritter guy is shot. And oh, yeah. his girlfriend is hotwiring her car, and he's like, here, take the screwdriver, ram it in as far as you can, and then turn it. And she does that, and the car starts. Nice. I'm pretty sure it's not that easy. Well, that guy, you know, John Ritter's son there, he's a, he's a genius with uh, figuring out and fixing things. And he can uh, he's like, I can crack any encryption. Just give me 10 minutes with your computer. Yeah. yeah. That's p- what's one of the things I hate about that show, yeah. the, the depiction of computer technology is stupid. Well, he's John Ritter's son, my friend. He can do whatever he wants. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> in my opinion. Um, All he needs to do is fall down, and it's it'll be great. I bet you it'd be awesome. Fall down, eh? Yeah, it's all John Ritter had to do. Comic timing. So we go to commercial, and when we come back, we're back with uh, our survivors at the camp, and Andrea is in the RV looking for wrapping paper so she can wrap the necklace for Amy that she got in the department store a couple of episodes ago, nice. and she says that it's Amy's birthday tomorrow. Well, that's nice. Isn't that nice? <laughs> might, as well, might, have, might as well have said, uh, yeah, she's retiring after 17 years on the force. <laughs> that's right. Might as well. <laughs> uh, we cut to Shane. This who, is our first uh, moment between Andrea and uh, 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 Dale? Dale. Is it? This is the first time they've been alone together, and uh, there was an intimate moment there for a second. Uh, I would agree with that. Slight. You know, slight. slight. It was the first one, though, because this is the first time they've been alone together. It's true. He, uh, yeah, and they that's touched right. hands because he was show- she was showing him the necklace, and he you know, he touched the necklace in her hand, and he looked her in the eye and said, we'll figure something out or we'll find you something. You know, I didn't pick up on that, but now that you say it, it's totally there, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> totally there. Yeah, he's... He said something about, you know, not packing wrapping paper, you know, when the world ended. And and she also made a comment out. about, I've been tracking the days, which comes important as a conversation at the, around the campfire later. Yep. But you're right. There's definitely a little bit of, of intimacy there. That's good, uh, good, uh, good job. Sleuthing. Good sleuthing. Uh, so Shane comes in and unties Jim. Uh, he says, I want to make sure there's no hard feelings. You know, I just have to look out for everybody here. Yeah. I beat you up, I threw you to the ground, I tied you to a tree next to a bunch of kids. Uh, you know, no no hard feelings. No hard feelings. You'll be fine. Well, then again, Jimmy did take a swing at him with his shovel. Well, yeah. That's not a very nice thing to do. Uh, no, no. The, the mistakes were made on both sides. Yeah. <laughs> That's the theme of this episode, yeah. I think. Um, we cut to Sophia and Carol, who are with Ed in the in their tent, and they ask him to come outside but he decides to stay there, and he says that he wouldn't piss on everybody if they were on fire or something like that. They wouldn't piss on me if I was on fire. No, I think he says it about the other people, as in I wouldn't do anything to help those I think if they were talking about the other people, they wouldn't. They don't care about him. Why would he want to interact with them? Yeah, well, that's the the gist of it right there. His makeup was great, by the way. It was great. The red eyeballs and the yeah, red eyes. Yeah, I love it when like they that. put in the uh, the blood sh- the bloody uh, contact lenses. It was rather reminiscent of what some of the zombies looked like. Uh, yeah, I thought it was great, though. Did a good job. Um, so when Carol and Sophie are leaving, he asks Sophia to stay and keep his dad company, keep her dad company, I guess. But Carol says, no, she wants to come out with the rest of us. Yeah, no bloody kidding. 
yeah, I wouldn't be leaving that kid with him either. So now it's dark, and everybody is sitting around the campfire eating the fish that they caught. They're having a good old fish fry. Fish fry. And, and they're talking about why Dale keeps winding his watch, even though there's not really that much point anymore. And he quotes William Faulkner, um, which I wrote down here, although I wrote it down from memory. So we'll see how close well, that, this, this is. This could be good. <laughs> um, about when his father, I guess, gave him the watch. A father gave a watch to a son. To a son, that's true. Father gave uh, the watch to son or something like that. It was non-specific. He said, I give it to you, not that you can remember time, but forget it, and not spend all of your breath trying to conquer it. Right. And Amy says, you are so weird. <laughs> <laughs> so what he, uh, one thing he said was uh, not that you can, uh, so that you can forget about time every now and again. Like it wasn't just like you can forget it all the time, but just so you know that you have this watch on, but every once in a while, you know, forget about time, just have a good time. And he turned to Amy uh, sorry, Andrea, and said, back me up here, because it was about marking the days. Mm-hmm. It's about marking time. It's like, you, you know, back me up here, because they had that conversation in the uh, in the RV. Yeah. She's like, no, you're on your own, pal. Yeah, you're on your own, <laughs> you, you old weirdo. You old weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> so at that point, Amy gets up to use the bathroom. Yep. And I'm sitting there watching the show, and this is the second or third nighttime campfire scene. Yes. And... When she says, uh, I need to pee, and she walks off, I went, <gasps> like that. I'm sitting there watching it with my wife, and she said, what, what, what are you doing? You you just inhaled. And I said, no, I didn't. <laughs> and she said, is something going to happen? I had a similar moment a little bit later. And I'm like, I don't know. I have no idea what's about to happen. And so we continue watching. She goes off to use the bathroom. If she was going to go off to have sex... I would definitely know something was going to happen. <laughs> right, because teenagers having sex in horror movies always die. That's right. It's one of the rules of horror movies, that, I believe. It is one of the rules. Just ask the Scream films. But anyway, so she walks off to go to the bathroom in the RV, and she steps out and says, there's no toilet paper. So what the hell did you do? Did you just wipe it on your shirt? Shake your tail. That's what we tell my three-year-old daughter. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Zombies attack. And bite her. Yeah, one gets her in the arm. And now, then in the neck. And, and then a uh, second later in the neck, we see Ed attacked in his tent. I actually yelled. I actually, well, not yelled, but I said, no, when when Amy got bit. Yeah, well, okay. So as soon as she got up to go pee, I knew what was about to come because this is exactly how it happened in the comic book. Right. And, uh, and so I, I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. I thought. You know, I thought Amy was going to survive longer. I in, thought so too. In the TV version, I thought she would get the whole run of the season at least. In and in fact, I had I, I vaguely remember hearing that from one of the producers that Amy was going to stick around longer, or maybe Frank Darabont himself, maybe from San Diego Comic Con last year. So obviously, they were lying or just spreading misinformation to uh, you know to keep people surprised. But when she gets up. I was like, oh, my God, she's going to die. This is it. This is just going to be a big zombie attack. I knew exactly what was going to happen. So she's bitten in the arm. Chaos ensues. Everybody's running around shooting. There's zombies everywhere. Um, and uh, Rick and the and the guys from the city are, at that point, running up the hill. I guess they ran all the way back from the city. Yep. And they hear the shooting. That's a long way. Now, their assumption, and you know, from their perspective, my assumption would be, oh, my God, it's Merle. And he's there, and he's killing people. Right. You know, bad, bad, bad. Um, so then we see Amy get bit in the neck. Rick and the guys show up and join the fight. Everybody's shooting. It's complete chaos. 
and headshots all around. Yeah, pretty much. Lots, lots of headshots. Not everyone had a gun though. We had some clubs. Jim had a baseball bat, I think. Yeah. Um, there was a really bad baseball bat swing with Shane, and the uh, the zombie that fell down was like four feet away. Really? It was. <laughs> yeah, it was a long shot, and it was sideways, so you could see that there was a good two, three feet between him and the guy. Really? I didn't even notice yeah. that. I'll check it out again. Um, so when things calm down a little bit and all the zombies are dead, Amy dies in Andrea's arms. How come we didn't notice on uh, IMDb that uh, Emma Bell was only in five episodes? Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess the next one is the fifth. Because I'm looking at it right now, and it says uh, five episodes. Hmm. I guess we should have picked up on that. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it said six as a disinformation campaign, which I believe that they're doing. Oh, I'm sure they they are. The information that came out throughout sort of the time leading up to this show, as I remember it, is that Amy would live, and she's dead. Huh. She has not survived. So... The fact that they've told us that Shane is going to live could mean anything. You know? I think Shane's going to live. I think so. I too. think they need to play that out for a while. Did you notice that uh, when the shooting started that uh, uh, Lori and Carl were sticking with Shane? They were right behind him. Well, but he was like, come with me. I'll save you guys. Yeah, but I, I just think it was weird that as soon as the, you know, all hell breaks loose, the first thing she does is, you know, gravitate to Shane. Sure, but... I, I see your point, but ultimately, what else is she going to do? She doesn't have a gun. She needs to g- get to safety. And despite her, you know, her, uh, you know, hatred for him right now, I think she knows he's their best bet for staying alive. That's true. That's you what know? I'm saying. So she's right there with him. And yeah, but but he he does say, "Come with me. Like I'll save you." Right. He does. It's not like they just sort of get behind him and stay there. So. Um, yeah, so Amy dies. It was very sad. Very sad. Andrea totally breaks down. And while everyone is sort of standing around wondering what the hell just happened and, and recovering, we get a close-up shot of Jim, and he says, I remember my dream now, <laughs> why I dug the holes. Yeah. Cut to black, and the episode is over. So um, pretty amazing episode overall, I thought. No Michael Rooker in this episode. No Michael Rooker. He didn't show up. Not even... I have a theory, though. What's your theory? I think he led the zombies back to camp. I thought of that. You know, maybe he has a truck full of zombies that he brought back to camp. Somehow uh, got a whole bunch of zombies in the truck. If Well, but the truck wasn't there, and they would have heard the truck driving up the road, right? I think somehow maybe he, he drove the truck partway or whatever or ditched it somewhere, or maybe he just drove the truck off and ditched it and then led zombies back to the camp. Could be. You know, I think Merle is going to be there next episode. So are, there was nobody watching. I mean, everybody was sitting around the fire and having a fish fry. Nobody was on uh, on on patrol or at the top of the RV watching out. <clears throat> it's true. Nobody was what They let their guard down. They dropped the ball. They did. And, you know, who knows what would have happened if there had been someone watching. It might not have changed the outcome a whole lot, although Amy probably would still be alive. Yeah. So, yeah, they let their guard down. Um, but... The group is thinned out. We cut some of the some of the fat there, yep. I would say. Some of the characters that we had uh, never really met either, which is kind of okay. Yeah, there's a couple of red shirts there. <clears throat> that, uh... Definitely. From my estimation, those still living are Rick and his family, Shane, Dale, Carol and Sophia, Morales and his family survived, T-Dog, Glenn, Daryl, 
Andrea, and Jim. Right. I don't think I forgot anybody, but it's possible that I have. And that could not that might not be an exclusive an exhaustive list. Yeah, because uh, there was other random people in the camp, right? There were other random people. I just have a feeling that a lot of them got uh got eaten right there. Huh. So um, I also thought this episode was just a brilliant balance of action, suspense, and character development. It had a little bit of everything in it. You know? Yeah, it was good. You know, our first episode was sort of very quiet story. It was character development for uh, Rick. Our second one was all action. Third one, um, balance of both of those things. Yep. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, it was pretty good. Now, one question, one talking point I have sure, for fire this away. episode. Uh, there's been a lot of chat on the internet about the fact that Jim had this dream. And he, he had a dream of a zombie attack, although maybe not, you know, so obviously a zombie attack, but enough to convince him to dig graves. Right. People online seem to think that they have introduced a element of the supernatural to this show in the way that he is psychic. I don't know. I think maybe he's just stressed. Yeah, that's the way I see it. I don't think there's anything supernatural about this at all. I think that Jim... Wow. No. I mean, it, the only thing is, you know, zombies are supernatural, really. Okay, but, uh, you know, you can't count that. Take that out of the equation. Okay, so if you take the main premise of the show out. Right. And the zo- <laughs> the undead are alive, okay? Okay. That's fine. We have people trying to survive that. That's okay. Uh, now, we seem to have a character, or according to some people, we have a character who has the ability to dream the future. That is psychic, ESP, or whatever, and... Supernatural. That briefly occurred to me while watching the show, but then I dismissed it. Me too. I, I thought, uh, you know, people have stress dreams all the time. They have anxiety dreams. I've had them, all kinds of stuff. And they always have something to do with the, you know, whatever situation I'm going in, not being prepared for whatever, for a test, for what have you. And then if you wake up in that kind of fugue state that, uh, you know, between dreaming and awake, and especially if you're, you know, going crazy. Because uh, you know you're in a situation that is extremely stressful and disconcerting, uh, that fugues kind of state you you might be able might act out what you need to do in order to prepare for whatever. So and you know him obviously being distressed by you know the loss of his family, and you know having to leave that without being able to bury them at all, uh, you know and having a dream where the zombies attack, which I probably is a would be a normal occurrence in this day and age, mm-hmm. uh, you know, dig some graves. No, I I totally am with you. I think it's just a him having a, a stress dream. And whether it was a zombie attack, you know, exactly in his dream or not, this is just the way he dealt with it and how he acted out. I don't think they're introducing a character who is psychic. No, I don't think so either. I don't think so at all. And I don't think this will ever happen again in the show. I think it was just something they did to sort of you know, further the fact that everyone is really, really stressed out about this and how could you not be, right? Right. So it's fine. I don't think we're going to have any more psychic abilities in the show. And the other thing that occurred to me is that this one was written by Robert Kirkman, the man who controls this universe, who created it. Right. He wouldn't introduce a psychic character at this point, I don't think. Well, I don't know. If he's in control, he can do whatever he wants, right? He is, but he, but he's been writing this book for for years, right? And he's got a very solid base of of the characters and the rules and just how the how the world works. And but maybe he's departing from that for the TV show. For the TV show, I don't see it happening. I it could be, could be. I don't know. I don't see it happening. Now, uh, 
what do you think they're going to do with Amy? They're going to wait for her to turn and then shoot her in the head? What are they going to do? Did you watch the clip coming up from next week? Uh, I think so, late on uh, Sunday night, but I don't think I watched it again. Well, the clip is um, pretty much Andrea still sitting there with Amy's dead body. Right. It's the next day. It's light out. The other characters are kind of, Lori comes over and says, look, Andrea, you got to, you know, we understand how you're feeling and so on, but we've got to, uh, you know, come over and have something to eat or, or something like that. And right. She doesn't move, completely ignores her. And then a minute later, Rick comes over to tell her the same thing. And she points a gun at Rick and says, this time I know how the safety works. And right. Rick's like, okay. <laughs> Is the finger on the trigger? Do what you want. I don't know. I couldn't tell. <laughs> I don't know. Important. So he backs away, and that's it. Um, but Andrea or Amy's still lying there, you know, white as a ghost, dead, and uh, not a zombie. I think she's going to turn. Yeah, that's the other thing. Uh, you would think that somebody, especially a character like Daryl, would be right there with that crossbow pointed at her head going, we got to do this. We got to do this. You know, I'm sorry you're sad, but get out of the way. But nobody nobody did that. I'm just wondering uh, in my head here whether or not they've made the correlation between, uh, you know, getting bit and being a zombie. Well, um... Because that turns out to not be the case in the comic book, mm -hmm. right? Uh, Morgan seemed to indicate... Well, Morgan said don't get... He was very concerned of whether Rick had been bit. That's true. And, you know, don't get bit, scratched nibbled <laughs> or chomped either, whatever he said. <laughs> and then, of course, Rick was saying, don't get any in your eyes when they were chopping up the 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 dead zombie the for, gore. Uh, for gore. Don't get any in your eyes or on your skin. So they seem to understand that it might be dangerous. Right. And, and Morgan would know because his wife was bit, and then she got the high fever and eventually died and turned. That's true. So... You know, maybe Morgan knows, maybe Rick didn't quite clue into it all because he was still in a fog from waking up in the hospital, but... Well, she's got to turn then. I think she has to turn, yeah. I think, and they have to deal with oh, that. Oh, that's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to that. Do you remember in the comic book what happens in this scene where Amy gets eaten? No. Neither do I. <laughs> so there, we can't spoil that. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, so overall, uh, fantastic episode. It uh, might have been my favorite so far. It's pretty good. You know, the first one I loved, um, but it was a very different kind of episode. It was. This was at least my second, maybe first favorite of, of the four. Excellent. <laughs> so there you go. Um, if you have any thoughts or comments or would like to share anything about The Walking Dead, please send them in to our voicemail line or our email, which we'll go through at the end of the show. We'd love to hear from you. Mm -hmm. Next, coming up on The Walking Dead, next episode is titled Wildfire. Now, this section of the podcast may have spoilers, so please skip ahead if you don't want to know anything about what's coming up on the show. Okay. The next episode is called Wildfire, and the description from amcthewalkingdead.com is, Rick leads the group to the CDC after the attack. That's Center for Disease Control. After the attack. Okay, so we know what attack they're referring to now. The attack that we just finished talking about. Which is about. nice. Jim must make a terrible life and death decision. Now, I know what happens to Jim in the comic book, and let's not get into it, but this terrible life and death decision is probably referencing that. So right. if you've read the comic, you have a good idea of how Jim's storyline is going to play out. Mm -hmm. um, notable guest stars for this episode of Wildfire are Claire Bronson as Candace Jenner. Not a zombie, but Candace Jenner. We don't know who that is. No, we don't. New character. 
Um, one other thing I have here is uh, an article from digitalspy.com titled, The Walking Dead Executives Tease Upcoming Cast Conflict, in quotes. Okay. And Frank Darabont in the article says, before it's all said and done, the opinions and actions of the group are divided. Some people want to go to the CDC. Some people don't want to go anywhere because Shane's a chicken shit and doesn't want to do anything. Gail Ann Hurd <laughs> in the same article also said, if I'm in some biological holocaust and I'm in Atlanta, wouldn't the Center for Disease Control be the first place to go? Um, Hurd added that Jenner, Jenner, I guess that's Dr. Or that's uh, Candace, Jenner. Candace Jenner, played by Claire Bronson. Jenner would present the survivors, led by Andrew Lincoln's Rick Grimes, with his own unique perspective on the crisis. I'm pretty sure that Claire and Candace are women's names, but you never know. Okay, so Jenner would present the survivors with his own unique perspective on the crisis. So the sentence doesn't make any sense. Or is it just me? I think it's just you. Okay, so added that Jenner would present the survivors, led by Andrew Lincoln to Rick Grimes. Uh, so if you take that out, because it's just it's just a, an added descriptor. Here yes. Got, uh, so Heard added that Jenner would present the survivors with his own unique perspective on the crisis. Right, so they meet Jenner, and yes. he or she uh, gives them some information about the zombie outbreak that they may not have had before. But how can how can somebody present somebody else with their own unique perspective? What do you mean? By speaking it. Here's my perspective on what no, happened. No, Jenner is played by a woman. Candace Jenner is played by Claire Br Bronson, and his is yeah. a uh, a male. Okay. <laughs> so she's presenting Rick with his own unique perspective. No, 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 no. I think they've got the gender incorrect. Some or 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 something is some. This is some sort of misinformation. I don't right. know. Because that'd be be like me presenting yes. you with your okay. perspective, your now, unique perspective. Now, so, okay. Chris, your perspective is now. I understand what you're saying, and I think you're misinterpreting the sentence, which is confusing, admittedly. As written, it doesn't make any sense because they got the gender wrong. Yes, now, something's wrong with this sentence. Claire Bronson as Candace Jenner could be. Uh, there could be two Jenners. There could be a husband and wife. Oh. And the husband's not on IMDb, the wife is. There could be brother and sister. We don't know. The Jenner family could be larger than we know. So It's all very confusing. Can Claire Bronson is playing Candace Jenner. That may or may not be who Gail Ann Hurd is referring to when she made that quote. All confusing. Yes. Very confusing. Somebody will have a perspective. Somebody <laughs> will present something. To somebody else. To somebody else. There you go. Um, so that's it. That is what's coming up next week on The Walking Dead. And for the record, I don't believe I would go to the Center for Disease Control. Because there's guaranteed to be disease there. Gar guaranteed. <laughs> Pretty much. That's I'm going to go where the disease isn't. I guess I, so. No matter what happens, there's going to be people there studying the disease, even if they're alive. Maybe after the show finishes and we're continuing to do podcasts, we can debate the merits of leaving or staying at the camp. Right. I would go for the, to the center <laughs> of middle of nowhere where nobody is. The center of middle of nowhere control. Or, you know, Center Point Mall. I'd go to a mall. There you go. Probably not Center Point Mall. I don't think there's a grocery store there. <laughs> All right. Way to make a uh, <laughs> local reference that nobody's ever heard of. There's a mall <laughs> in Toronto called Center Point Mall. Yes, I've been there. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't go there in the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> All right, let's do some listener feedback. Sure. Carl from Chicago writes in on Lenny James, and he says, well, he says Lenny Henry was fantastic. I think he's mistaken the name here. It's Lenny James, unless I'm mistaken. 
Well, I don't know who Lenny Henry is. So let's just go with Let's Lenny say Jones. Lenny was fantastic. One of the things I love about him and that I noticed on Jericho, another show he was on, mm-hmm. is that his accent is nothing I would describe as stereotypical. Uh, his accent rem- reminds me of Louisiana more than anything else, although it's a little softer in The Walking Dead than it was in Jericho. I don't know if this is a conscious choice on his part or simply a happy accident of his native accent intersecting with his attempt at something American, but I think it works extraordinarily well. Excellent. I would agree. I think he's probably had the most solid accent on the show. I liked it. And as a side note, he plays a major character in the season in season two of Hung. Oh. Also with a very, very good American southern knee accent. Oh, I didn't know he was in uh, season two of Hung. I didn't recognize him at first either until I saw the name on the Hung credits. I'm like, who is that? Oh, yeah. Oh, there well, I'll have to watch that. I liked season one. I'll have to watch season two. Yep. It's great. Carl fin- uh, Carl from Chicago finishes his email with loving the podcast. Once I get current with the newest ones, I'll be going back to the beginning to catch all the stuff I missed. Thanks for doing this. Hmm. Thank you, Carl. Glad to hear you're enjoying things. Ethan from New York writes in on the Walking Dead comparisons to Lost. Right. This is Ethan who went to uh, New York Comic Con for us. Hey, Ethan. He says, hey, guys, just a couple of my thoughts on the show as a whole. So I've heard the Glenn Hurley, Glenn slash Hurley from Lost comparisons, and while I agree with them, I don't think it stops there. I see Rick as a Jack Shepard type. Both characters feel this need to do anything and everything they can to protect the people they are with. This inherent trait is demonstrated the most in the scene where Rick is talking to a chained-up Merle Dixon in episode number two. A lot of the rhetoric coming out of Rick's mouth is frighteningly reminiscent of Jack's numerous live-together, die-alone speeches. Hmm. I think Jack would leave Glenn. You'd, no. Come on. Jack I, needs to help people just like Rick. I don't know. Near the end of the uh, of Lost, I think he would leave him. Maybe near the end, but not at the beginning. Not at the beginning. Jack is there to was there on Lost to help people to do what he can. He felt a need to lead and protect people. And I think Rick is a similar character to that. He is a similar character. I put, I'd make Rick more Kate than uh, than Jack. Come on. Rick is way less annoying than Kate. Kate was a like a superwoman who could do everything and was always involved, but then always ended up being stupid and captured or something like that. I don't think Rick is like that. I don't know. I'd, I'd still pick him as, as more of a Kate than a Jack. The difference I see Rick as compared to Jack is that Rick is more, you know, he he's dedicated to people, but um, in a way, like he feels it like he owes it to people. He knows who he should be dedicated to. Right. Where And, you know, if it's somebody who means nothing to him, he wouldn't go as far out of his way. Whereas Jack Shepard, I think, wants to help everybody. Yeah. You know, that was his character Does flaw. that make Daryl uh, uh, Sawyer? <laughs> Maybe a little bit. There's a little bit of Sawyer in him. I would say so. You know? Sawyer would use a crossbow if he had one. Absolutely. Good Lord, man. And Daryl would start giving everybody nicknames, I think. You know? Yeah, I think he did. I think he was calling the, uh, the Vatos guys some names. He might have. <laughs> he probably did. That's good. Uh, Ethan finishes up with, uh, also, I'm a little surprised at, but not disappointed by, how much they're turning this into a soap opera. I mean, uh, the comic definitely had that vibe a little, but they seem to be really running with the idea on the TV show. It's like, quote, as the world burns, or, quote, two lives to live. I like as the world burns. That's two, a great name. Two lives to live Sounds like an actual soap opera title. <laughs> it's, uh, it does. As the World Burns, I think, is a fantastic title. <laughs> it, it really is a really good one. Um, thanks, Ethan, for writing in. We've got a couple of calls now, both f- 
from Chris from D DC, the first one uh, on a Robert Kirkman, another Kirkman Easter egg that we didn't pick up on. Here it is. Hey, this is Chris from uh, Washington, D.C. Love the podcast, love the show. Uh, just got caught up with the most recent two episodes and thought I would point out another uh, Robert Kirkman Easter egg in the, in the series. You already noted out uh, the Invincible comics. But uh, Carl's T-shirt is the logo of Science Dog, the comic within a comic from Kirkman's Invincible. I uh, just thought I'd point that out. Love the show. Please keep it up. Hopefully you guys have some stuff lined up to uh, keep us busy during the hiatus between Episode 6 airing and Lord only knows when uh, Season 2 will premiere. But keep it up. Bye. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. We'll see about that, <laughs> now, especially now that we know that uh, it's probably not until next October. Yeah. <laughs> so we got a lot of time to fill there. Um, we'll but just go over the, the, the TV show line by line. We should analyze every line of dialogue, sure. Yeah. First episode will be quick. The rest of them will be a little slower. Yeah. <laughs> uh, One line per show. The Easter egg that he's referring to is, uh, as he said, Carl's T-shirt and the science dog on it. Now, you haven't read Invincible at all, have you? I have not. I have, but not for a while. It was I read the first two hardcovers a couple of years back, and um, I don't remember science dog very much, if at all. So I didn't pick up on that, but it's just another cool reference, I guess. Huh. They're going to, you know, they'll probably put a few of those things in until they run out of Kirkman-related stuff. They can <laughs> they can Easter egg in there. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> they'll find stuff. Uh, one more quick call from Chris uh, again, and uh, regarding the weapons in the show, this is something a lot of people have talked about, actually. We seem pretty interested in all the guns and stuff like that that are in this show, but here's what Chris had to say. Hey, this is Chris from D.C. again. I uh, just finished listening to the last of the podcast you guys have online and thought I'd clear up a couple of gun questions. Uh, the gun that uh, Rick takes off of the lurker in the tank is indeed a Beretta 9mm, uh, 92F to be precise, is the model number. Standard issue sidearm for U.S. military. Uh, it's got a 15-round clip. No telling how many rounds were left in it, but that's what we had to work with. Uh, as for the miracle headshots when uh, he's running, they're in nobody is that good a shot. <laughs> uh, police and military do train for center mass shots. Uh, it's the quickest, simplest, and most reliable way to make a perpetrator stop doing what they're doing. Uh, though the military and some police organizations train for what are called suicide drills, which is two to the chest, one to the head. Just thought I'd answer some questions. Keep up the podcast. Love what you're doing. Have a good one. Thanks again, Chris. So uh, that's kind of the definitive word on, on some of the guns in the show. Absolutely. I would say he seemed to really know what he was talking about. 92F. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> I believe, I don't believe, I think that it was the year 92 Model F. I don't know. Well, who knows, man? I bet Chris does. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he could explain, uh, for my benefit, why it's called a suicide drill. Two shots to the head, uh, two, two shots, shots to the th chest, and one to the head. Sounds a little bit more like the murder drill. Yeah, or unless it's you know <laughs> a shot to your own head. Two shots to the chest, and then one to your own head. That'd be suicide. Uh, yeah, I, kind of uh, counterproductive though for <laughs> taking down a perpetrator. A little bit counterproductive. So, what's the point of that? Do you think it's if if someone poses such a threat that you have to completely eliminate them? I think it has to do with body armor because. Oh, you two shots to the chest just to get them off balance because you put two shots in the chest. If they're wearing body armor, chances are they're going to be off balance. Their arms are going to be flailing, and then uh, you take that shot to the head to finish them off. Is oh, what I'd be that makes there. sense. So I was thinking a sh 
one or two shots in the chest would take anybody down enough to uh, eliminate their the threat. Yeah. But if they're wearing some sort of body armor, it might not. Yeah. Although getting shot while you're wearing a bulletproof vest is still pretty traumatic, I think. Yeah, and it definitely will take them off balance. But if it doesn't kill them, and you really, 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 really want to kill them, then you shoot them in the head. I guess so. All right, well, uh, nonetheless, Rick probably couldn't have shot all those zombies in the headshots while he's full-on running. Yeah. In the head. There's a lot of headshots in this episode, too. There were, but you know what? It's okay. If they hit everyone in the leg and the arm, they'd be killing zombies all day. Yeah. <laughs> well, you shoot them, they go down, and then you bash them in the head for a while. That's right. <laughs> all righty. Let's uh, do... Uh, let's thank some of our new Twitter followers, shall we? Sure. Then we'll Then we'll do some iTunes five-star reviews and okay. then get the hell out of here. All right. Uh, quickly, a random selection of some of our new Twitter followers this week. Wilmont, uh, Harris Q, Fisty LaRue, there's Ooh. a good one, uh, Shotwell, Iron Leg 08, and Chief underscore FR. Thanks to everyone who follows us on Twitter and uh, keeps track of us that way. <clears throat> awesome iTunes five-star reviews, my friend. Well, we have two this week. We have uh, one from Thomas Brandt. Uh, great podcast, five stars. Amazing podcast. We've been listening. I've been listening for a while now. Uh, such a dearth of information given on each episode. However, it isn't boring, and I think it's due to the fact that you really can hear his enthusiasm and love for comics. <laughs> I don't know which one he's referring to when he says his. Probably yours. Oh, who knows, man? We're a we're a collective. We're a team. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so the second one is uh, from Ted. Oh, I apologize if I butcher this last name. Uh, Villa Vicencio, Villa Vicencio, something like that. Ted, pretty good. Ted, anyway, uh, the underdog experts on The Walking Dead. If you have to listen to just one podcast, uh, talking Walking Dead podcast, make sure to subscribe to this Canadian duo. Their discussion is very in depth and very pleasant. Their episode recap is detailed, which is one of the best I've heard. These guys definitely know what they're talking about. Hope this podcast lasts as long as the AMC TV series and the graphic novel. Well, thank you very much. Well, we, I hope so, too. We hope to last a long time as well. Longer, even, maybe just by one or two episodes. <laughs> maybe, that's right. <laughs> just to round it off, you know? Thanks, everybody who leaves us uh, five-star reviews on iTunes. It is a fantastic way for... Uh, iTunes to take notice of what we're doing here and, and possibly feature us. Uh, one or two of the other Walking Dead podcasts have made it into the uh, maybe staff picks or uh, featured or something like that. So congratulations to those guys, and uh, here's hoping that we do someday too. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this up and get out of here. Um, before we go, just want to mention... Uh, something we haven't brought up in a few weeks at least. First of all, the Walking Dead Podcast Network, which we are a happy member of. Proud member. Proud Happy member. proud member. There you go. Joyful member of. Uh, us and the Walking Dead TV podcast and um, the Walking Dead cast with Jason and Karen are all part of the Walking Dead Podcast Network. Am I forgetting anyone? I might be, unfortunately. Sorry if I forgot anyone. But if you want to find more, head over to forumforgeeks.com. That's where uh, we we all hang out and, and post. Our episodes are available there, and so is everybody else's, as well as an opportunity to chat with other listeners and Walking Dead fans. So it's, uh, it's a good time. The other one is uh, roamersandlurkers.com, the Walking Dead uh, message board. Mm-hmm. We uh, also post our episodes there, and there's often good conversation going on about the TV show, the comic, and everything else everything else in the Walking Dead universe. So uh, it's another site worth checking out. Join the conversation. 
good. That should be their uh, their. That's uh, somebody else's logo. Tagline. Tagline. I, yeah, I, I who, didn't, I didn't who, make that up. Who owns that? I don't know. Is it Twitter? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Hope I'm not infringing on anybody's copyright by saying that. Well, regardless, head over to roamersandlurkers.com. Check out those forums and uh, say hi. That's going to do it for this week on The Talking Dead. If you want to contact us, please do so at talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Send your feedback, comments, and thoughts, and whatever else you have, uh, whatever else you want to say there. You can also call us at our toll-free number, which is 1-866-483-9662. Zomb. On the Zomb line, 483-Zomb. Or Zombie. Yeah, Z-O-M-B. B is for bargain. <laughs> for our for our friends in the U.S., that's Z-O-M-B. Well, that's true. Right? Maybe yeah. that's why not so many people are calling it, because they were confused about the Z. Right. <laughs> Probably well, not. I'm kind of a whole, you know, I, I believe that the alphabet, if we're going to go with Z for Z, shouldn't we do that for the, all the rest of the letters in the alphabet? It would be a little silly. Give me an example. Bed for B. <laughs> B, bed. A, A, bed, said, dead, at F, jed. H I Jed H I. You're Jed. right. That's a little bit silly. <laughs> yeah, but you know why just why just the one letter? Why not the whole rest of the alphabet? Who knows, man. That's uh, just the way it is. Canadians are weird. Well, yeah, I can tell you that right now. We know that for sure. Uh, that number one more time is one eight six six four eight three zomb nine six six two. You can also find us on Twitter at twitter.com slash talking dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead. And finally, of course, if you want to go to TalkingDeadPodcast.com and leave comments on the posts there, that's also a great thing to That'd do. be great. So any of those options are, uh, are out there, and uh, we encourage you to partake. Next week on the show, we will have our look back at episode number four, Vatos, which we recap today. We'll also have our recap of next week's show titled Wildfire. Wildfire. And let's say we're also going to have a contest next week. Some sort of contest. There is going to be some sort of contest announced last week. So please next tune week. in to find out all about that. What did I say? Last week. You said there's going to be some sort of a contest announced last week. <laughs> We've been doing this for too long. Cut me a break. <laughs> it's late. Next week. Next week there will be a contest. Don't go back in time looking for it because you won't find it. Yeah. Uh, until then, thanks everyone for listening. We will see you next week. <laughs> That's right. Bye.